Hello, hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of 20 and Trying. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Peyton. This week, our guest is Paulina Jane Isaac, a freelance writer who focuses on a variety of popular topics that intersect with gender and race. In this episode, we talk with Paulina about her career as an entertainment and freelance journalist, empowering other women, not just in March, but year round, and diversity within the entertainment industry, which of course means we brought up this groundbreaking and drama riddled season of The Bachelor. We hope you enjoy this episode. How are, how are you, you today? I'm good. How are you? We're so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to have you guys. Yay. If you're ready, we can just get started. All right. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, perfect. So we start every episode off with our weekly optimism. So what is something that you are looking forward to this week or that you're excited about? Yeah. Um. So honestly, like, I hope this doesn't sound weird, but I feel like in the whole season of winter like it's been kind of rough for like my mental health and I feel like my energy levels have been down a lot so I'm in Philly right now and I know it's like getting brighter and like daylight savings is changing and um I just moved from New Jersey actually so I was like in the suburbs out there kind of dreary and like not necessarily my vibe and now I'm in a city again it's getting warmer so I just kind of feel like my mental health is getting better and like things are getting more positive overall which has been really nice I think it's like been really stimulating creatively and just like mood and everything like that so yeah I'm definitely looking forward to that this week (laughs) for sure the weather and what's going on around you can definitely affect your mood I remember When I lived in England for a little bit, it was always like raining and it was always like dreary for a long time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have no energy. I don't want to do anything. And so like the transition to spring was beautiful, like, you know, mm-hmm. getting lighter and seeing all the nice flowers. So yeah. I totally see where you're coming from for sure. I would say my weekly optimism is just spending time with my family. I was up for a job that would have had me move in like two weeks, like to a new city, don't know anybody, all that. And so it really made me think like how much I would miss my family and how close I've, you know, gotten to them even more during pandemic, having living here. So I think just spending time with them, knowing that like I have the ability to. What about you, Charlotte? I think because it's International Women's Month and we're recording this the day after International Women's Day, I love seeing all of these posts. I think he did like a campaign, like empower her and all of these pop culture references about women's empowerment. And I think during March, people are more cognizant about these women who have really helped shape our country, whether it's through pop culture, whether it's through politics or scientific development or STEM. And even though we should be working to empower women every single day of the year, I think a lot of people push for it during March. And I just love seeing all of like these women come together and like each other's photos and comment. And it's just such a beautiful thing to see. So I'm going to ride this wave all throughout March. I agree more. For sure. So let's get into a little bit about you. So you are a freelance writer who decided to make the switch to freelance after a career at Viacom CBS. What prompted your decision to do this and how has your life changed because of it? Okay. So 
I think it's something that I always wanted to do. I was a journalism major too, and my dream was always to get into magazines and just like climb the career ladder and end up as an entertainment editor, editor in chief, or something like that. And I think seeing the way the media landscape has just changed when it comes to magazines, it kind of just made me rethink that dream of mine. And I did work slash live in New York for three, four years. I was in Brooklyn for two and a half, and then I was commuting from Jersey. And honestly, just for me, it kind of became a situation where this idea I had of my dream wasn't really fitting with my personality and what I actually wanted. And just the idea of like sitting in an office all day and staring at a screen and just some of those small realities of that industry. I was like, you know, I probably would want to freelance at some point and have more flexibility. But I just didn't think it would be possible until I was like, or further along in my career and then like some events just kind of took place like I I ended up taking a medical leave before the pandemic even happened and I just like took time off of work um, which was for like mental health reasons and I was in a lot of therapy and then I got to a place I was working at Us Weekly at the time and I did not want to return to Us Weekly and and then I saw my friend actually he sent me he's an editor, um, he sent me a tweet about Cosmopolitan that they were looking for a weekend editor. And I applied for it. And I went through that process and I got it. And that gave me the stability to be able, <laughs> thank you. Um, that gave me the stability to be able to start freelancing because usually they say you need about three months in savings, you know, it can be difficult to make that jump. So Cosmo gives me that stability I needed. And I was able to resign from my position and and I'm grateful I did candidly like seeing um, what happened with some of the staff and some of the layoffs that they had to go through and it just definitely felt like the right decision for me at the time and that was in June so having even been doing this full-time for a year I have been freelancing <laughs> um, since I was at Viacom which was a couple of years ago but yeah I'm like really grateful for Cosmo because for me it's kind of like it gives me the money where I can, you know, I know I can pay my bills, like I know I'm okay. And then on top of that, I get to, you know, choose what I really want to write about or kind of craft my schedule that way. So it actually, it's really worked for me. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go back <laughs> to a nine to five, honestly. We'll see. <laughs> but um, it's going well for sure. Yeah, that's what I hear about a lot of people who are like now work from home. Everyone's like, I don't want to go back to the office. But you have such a different kind of office environment and it's really interesting Mm -hmm. to hear your story specifically from two journalism grads who graduated during the pandemic so I think we have this idealistic Mm -hmm. view of what post-grad looked like and I know I definitely did because I wanted to go into magazine writing so knowing people who were working at all of these publications that were furloughed during the pandemic and then who needed to resort to freelancing. It's a very different narrative now than it was when I think I had the idea of, oh, this is what I want to do when I graduate. But specifically, you write about politics, pop culture, lifestyle, but you also include how they intersect with race and gender and mental health. How do you approach these topics and why do you think it's important now more than ever before? Or do you think it's more important now? I think that it's always been important. I think it's easier 
to write about now. And I think people are more open to it now when it comes to speaking so openly about race and gender and, you know, inclusion in every type of way. I'm really impressed by my generation, like as a millennial, Gen Z, like older generations, just kind of like the change in mindset and the openness to really like look into these mindsets that we have. And I think for me, I realized kind of early on that entertainment was my main passion and pop culture probably is. But I also studied sociology in college and I had a lot of interest in, yeah, <laughs> I had a lot of interest in like the societal structure and all these constructs and um, how media influences us. So I think for me, I usually, honestly, it's usually a personal idea. One example, I wrote an article about Matt James. I wrote a couple and I'm recapping the bash now but um this was before um the series started and I wrote an article for Glamour where I talked about how you know it was a great stuff that we're going to have a black actor and that we do have one but the diversity of the candidates is also equally important and it's not really going to be impactful if we see a very um not diverse contestants so I think for me I kind of just look at what is happening before us there's so much happening when it comes to you know gender and LGBTQ and race and all of that and there are so many different ways that it all connects and I really like to kind of comment on that uh, because I do have it is like really important to me I think sometimes pop culture and entertainment can we can have the like misconception that it's shallow or like not important or purely just for entertainment and it is and it can be but it also has a really big impact on people and the way we think and seeing representation and not seeing representation and everything like that so I just think I think it is important I think it always has been like to answer your initial question but I think like now is such a great time to do it because of social media and the way people are everything's kind of changing and it makes me really happy <laughs> that um, a lot of these like structures are just changing for the better like what you said about women and you know like me too movement and just all of it and I think it's a cool time to be a writer because a lot of publications are like wanting this type of content. For sure and I think the platform is expanding mm -hmm. and that's really great to see. Um, we still obviously have a long way to go when it comes to inclusion of race and gender. And like, yeah. even you mentioned The Bachelor and like how we finally got the first Black Bachelor, but like, look at all the controversy that came along with it. And so, you know, like I said, we have a long way to go, but it really is great to see that like, as a writer, you have the ability to write these stories and that people are really turning into them and looking. And we are, as you know, as a generation millennials like you said gen z zillennials the mix between <laughs> we're all really striving for that inclusion and i think you know writers like you we need that because that is just going to continually keep the stories going and the platform open and have the opportunity for more equality thank you that's kind <laughs> and paulina because you brought up the bachelor i'm actually really interested in your take on the new host, Emmanuel Ancho. Because I think I saw on his Instagram today that they he was either on set and it had it said like the bachelor, bachelorette host. So I'm really interested mm -hmm. to hear your opinion on him as the new host, um, but also 
more hopefully more representation not just like on the forefront of the lead for the shows Mm -hmm. but also the casting for the contestants as well Mm -hmm. yes definitely I mean I think it's um I think it's complicated I think that I am happy that he's the host I'm certainly happy that Chris Harrison is not right now I think that was a good move I think that it was a good move but it's also it also from the optics uh, so sometimes it's interesting to know is this genuine or is he stepping back because he kind of has to step back and then he'll come back. Um, but regardless, when it comes to Emmanuel, I think that was a great choice. And, you know, he's someone who's intelligent and charismatic mm-hmm. and I'm sure he'll make a great host. And that's amazing. I think that it's difficult. I don't know. Change is difficult. I was watching a Bachelor yesterday and, you know, I think change can be like very incremental and it's easy for someone who maybe like isn't me or doesn't maybe think the same way that we're discussing to be oh well he was picked because he's black because of all the controversy that happened and I think that's a really easy thing to fall into and it is I mean in my opinion it absolutely did play a part but that doesn't mean that's a bad thing because it's a good choice it's just Mm -hmm. sometimes like this change has to happen when something you know terrible happens or hurtful happens um so I think the only way to stop that is to have uh, more diversity at the top. Just and it's just like not—it's not always race. It's just like different socioeconomic places, like people who just think differently, people who are have the space to be able to think differently and voice their opinions without who knows, like feeling uncomfortable or like their jobs could be in jeopardy. I don't know that that's the case. Like I absolutely don't know that that's the case. But you know, it does happen in some situations, and I think. Andy Dorfman, the former bachelorette, she spoke about this in an interview or a podcast about how like there needs to be more diversity behind the scenes mm-hmm. because with that, I think we wouldn't have so many of these problems. Love Rachel K thing. Like, I have a lot of thoughts about that, but I just think it's one of those things where it could have just been avoided. And it just makes me wonder if it makes me wonder if it's that are you not doing enough research into these people? Or are you and you don't think this is a big deal? Or are you and you think this will start drama parading? So that has my vote. I think, yeah, I think it's a bit of that. And like when you, you know, you talk about the optics of things, it's like, it's so unfortunate that the first time we have a bachelor of color that it has to be associated with horrible controversy. Like it is, you know what I mean? And it's like, how it sounds a little calculated like you know like what are the odds that they get a girl like that and Paulina as a journalist you know how easy it is to search something on Twitter it doesn't take that much effort and I've read that these contestants have to go through like psychological testing to make sure that they like can stand if these contestants have to go through so much, then you know the producers are doing their research and they're just like, hmm, how can we use this in a calculated way? Right. Absolutely. I wrote a piece about that <laughs> for Stylecaster before it aired, how I refused to watch the Bachelor if they were the racist contestant. And then all this stuff happened with Rachel. I well, personally think that, I don't think she's a bad person. I don't even think she's racist. I think she made a bad decision that was racist. But um, it's just even more than that, like I really don't even think the issue is her. I just think it's more of the show and the franchise and mm-hmm. they just 
keep having these issues. They've had similar issues on Rachel Lindsay's season. Right. And it's just, it needs to stop. <laughs> yeah, they have a yeah. long, long-winded, you know, history. And mm-hmm. I do agree what you were saying about how the diversity needs to start behind the scenes and with the higher ups, because even with the Golden Globes that just aired, they had a whole thing about how the HFPA mm-hmm. doesn't have a member of color mm-hmm. on their like I don't understand how these movies like we're trying to push for diversity and inclusion of women women directors people of color within the acting um categories and it's like no wonder they don't get because there's nobody even rooting for them or wanting you know what I mean like it's just it's not there and it needs to be there and that's why it's so frustrating when a lot of these amazing performances and these actors and directors and whatever, you know, all the people that go within to making a movie, they get blindsided. And it's because that they, it's because the people at the top aren't diverse and that's where it really needs to change. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so you were all um, so moving on into the writing and off the, uh, entertainment. I was like still in my brain there. Um, so you are also a writing consultant. Um, helping other writers and creators increase their chances of being hired. Uh, How has your consulting business changed during the pandemic and what successes and struggles have have come along with that change? Well, it started during the pandemic, so it's super new. Started at the beginning of February and I started it because for a while I have had people, primarily women, primarily younger women, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Instagram, email, just wanting to talk and I'm always open with talking to them and I really enjoy it. You know, just wanting advice about the industry. So I just thought that this is something that is needed and I enjoy doing it and I can probably do it better if I make it into a business. So it's been going really well. I've had, I don't know how many I've had, probably more than 10 clients in about a month. So I think that it's a good time for this because how else are we going to network during the pandemic? Like how it's true. So I think to be able to sit down with someone and have a half hour, an hour um, with someone who's doing what you want to be doing and get really good advice and build a connection. Um, I tell all my clients that, you know, keep in touch. And if they have questions, you can email me. Like I give resume edits and after they make the, tweaks if they want to send it to me before they start sending it to people um, for jobs I'm totally happy doing that I know how difficult our industry can be and daunting so it's been going well and I'm really I'm really glad I did it it was really fun it was something that I wanted to do and I was able to collaborate with my friend who's a photographer my other friend who does graphic design for my photo website so that was cool again it's been good for me and I think it's been helpful for them as well because also we have a lot of times like a lot of downtime or just home you know like we're working hopefully if you're still working but there's also just a lot of time not much to necessarily do so if you're thinking about feeling Friday it could be a good time to you know start give it a try that's super exciting and I love that you're helping other young women just because coming from us who kind of just graduated I feel like I'm kind of in free fall over here and you hear how competitive some industries are and that women are kind of in it for themselves and 
like they worked so hard to climb this ladder. Why would they want to help someone else? But it's always like you get so high in this ladder, like reach one hand down to help someone else up. It's beautiful that you created this business specifically to help women. And I think that ties perfectly into our next question because this is International Women's Month. Is there a woman in history or in the field of journalism that inspires you? Yes. Uh, yes. Let's see. Multiple. Honestly, like, aside from journalism, I mean, there are women in journalism. Like, the first woman who comes to mind is Shonda Rhimes because mm-hmm. I have been really, like, impressed with her since. I don't know, since like before she was a household name because obviously like, she's been known about for a while, but I took a um, business of media course in college and started kind of learning more about, you know, like companies and who owns who and kind of the control. And I'm just really impressed with what she's created, television with Grey's Anatomy and all of her, you know, production companies. I mean, she started with an idea for a show that's now one of the longest running shows. It's so successful. She created into a complete production company and to the point where she has people under her creating shows still for grades and she's not really hands-on because now she's at Netflix. I believe I read that she is the highest paid TV showrunner right now. That doesn't surprise me. It's like an eight, seven or eight figure deal with, Net- with Netflix, which is insane. But I also love that she just owns it. You know, it's not, and she spoke about this in that article with The Hollywood Reporter, how she was shy to, you know, say that number. And um, another show creator, Ryan Murphy, who's behind Glee and American Horror Story, he's also well-paid, clearly. But he, you know, he said it. He said how much I'm making and owned it. And she was like, you know what, I'm not going to, like be afraid to say that I'm making a lot of money because I'm good at my job and there's a reason. I just found that really inspiring because in addition to kind of what you were saying, what we've talked about with women, I think money is also a huge thing where we can undervalue ourselves and then like be undervalued and we have like the wage gap and there are all these things. But I think a lot of it is deeply like societal and how we're taught. And I think it's just cool for her to be like, Yes, I have this multi-million figure deal with Netflix because I'm really good at my job. And that's just really cool and inspiring to me. Yeah, she's she's breaking boundaries all around. And like you said, it, it is societal, you know, norms that we just feel like as women, we can't show our or talk about our success when it comes to money and stuff like that, which is really strange to think why that, you know, that, that is, but I hope that people like her and other women within the entertainment industry, because like you said earlier, you know, people can see it as like shallow and, you know, kind of just surface level, but they have such a big platform and it touches so many people, like, because regardless of if people are going to say like, oh, I don't care about this, right. This is shallow. Like they're still reading, they're still listening. They're still interested when they hear these names. So it's touching so many people and for, to have a woman showrunner who is making that much money and creating content that is so, you know, great and has a lot of women writers and that is for women yes. and like Bridgerton and the inclusivity part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many things that she is just like breaking the boundaries and remaking the mold. And we need that with inter- entertainment for sure. Definitely. Definitely. I'm glad you brought up Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. 
I've I've heard someone say too, like what's crazy about Bridgerton aside from how that it's really good is that all of the um like sexuality is from Daphne's point of view, mm-hmm. and it's like not really the male gaze, which is cool, mm-hmm. especially since it's a period piece. So I think it's little things like that that have been overlooked, and it's just take someone different in the room. Right, it takes a little more females mm-hmm. in the room for sure <laughs> that <laughs> diversity Wait. at the top like what you said yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. that long-lasting you know patriarchal like look on the world needs to be done and it takes a little yeah. more women to do so and that's why we have like shauna rhymes and we have shows that are coming out you know about women we have movies like promising young woman and we have stuff like that because mm-hmm. it's starting to grow slowly but surely we'll get there So where do you find your inspiration for writing? And I know you spoke about writing an article on, on Matt James earlier, but do you have like a favorite article you've ever written or topic? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Inspiration, um, brainstorming an idea. It's definitely one of the most difficult parts try and form an original idea that hasn't been written about on the internet so saturated but I think just reading a lot and luckily being in the industry I am I have to when it comes to you know I do morning news writing and weekend for Cosmo it's mainly entertainment so I think it's knowing what's going on in whatever niche you're interested in so if and if you're interested in beauty, you know what's going on in the beauty industry, you know what people are talking about, you know, it's following certain people on social media, it's reading about a show, even if you're not watching it, if you're interested in entertainment. So I think a lot of my ideas just come from trying to like stay in the know about things. And then also a lot of it is just completely random. Like it'll just be me somewhere and I have an idea and I put it in my notes. And it's like, I think this could be something or I just think of something. And I think a lot of times I find things that like, if you have a really specific point of view on it, most likely other people do, or maybe they just haven't thought about it in that way. So, you know, don't, I don't really discount my own views on something. I'm like, oh, this probably applies to things and people probably can agree with this or never have thought about it before or disagree with it. And then I can start conversation. When it comes to my favorite article I've ever written, I don't know. I, I, I think anything I write, I wrote an article. Oh my gosh, I'm not gonna be able to answer this question. Okay, wait. Let me, <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me give one thing. Hard, hard um, question for a journalist. That is so okay. okay. Yeah. Um, That's I'm okay. Like, I have a couple things. I will say that um, I write a lot of like essay type writing, and I write a lot of commentary. I don't necessarily as often get to do profile type writing. So I did do a profile for an actress. Her name's Annalyn McCord. She was on um, the 90210 reboot. Oh, yeah. And um, I don't know if you've seen it. She's Naomi. But she had, it was when I was at Us Weekly. And she, um, her team kind of came to us. And she wanted to talk about the fact that she was, you know, sexually abused as a kid. And she really wanted to like tell that story. And because I was a fan of the show, um, my editor gave it to me and I interviewed her. Um, we talked for about 45 minutes 
And it was, you know, I don't think I've ever interviewed someone about something that serious. So that was an interesting experience and it just felt really human. And I did a piece and it was in, it was in print, which was cool too. And I know it meant a lot to her um, and she expressed that to me. So that felt really rewarding. I'll say that's one of my favorite experiences because that was one of those kind of ideal scenarios, at least for me, where you can just work with a story from beginning to end. And, you know, especially something so personal, like the fact that they can be happy with it and feel good about it, even though it's an incredibly painful subject, was um, really rewarding for sure. That's so beautiful. Being able to to tackle something like that. And I'm sure you did an amazing job. I'm going to go and look for it after this and read it because that is something that you know it's something so personal and something that also needs to be when comfortable addressed more because I think there's a lot of stigma about talking about personal trauma and sexual assault and all of that so to be able to tackle such a big subject is amazing I also think it speaks about the entertainment industry as a whole because while we love entertainment and we can talk about Bridgerton or Grey's Anatomy or how wonderful Shonda Rhimes is, there's a different side to entertainment that is also sometimes like the darker side of it, but it's still part of everyone's story. So I love that that's a piece that comes to mind that you could shed light on something. And we spoke a little bit about where you draw inspiration from. And that's just from reading and having a pulse on what's going on within the entertainment industry. But how did you get your start within this section of journalism? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I love answering that because I don't know, I'm, I always knew I wanted to get into journalism pretty much, but I think I went through a stage right before college where I thought I wanted to do political journalism. I had this idea that I was going to do political commentary, um, which didn't really last long. Um, Still really into politics, but it was after I was a part of her campus at Temple where I went to school. And I think it was my sophomore year, I read an article about um, Oscar contenders that year. And it was just really fun. And our president said that she liked it and it did well. And I think it was honestly after that where I just realized, oh, this is fun. I guess this is something that I am interested in. And it was the type of thing, I don't know if you guys have experienced this where you're writing about something and you don't necessarily have to do a ton of research about it or it's not super burdensome. And you're just kind of like, oh, this is coming a little easier than some other things. Um, And then after that, it was, I had a couple internships in Philly And then I applied and got an internship at the Hollywood Reporter in LA. Uh, My dad was living there at the time. So that was pretty much why it was able to come together because I was living with him. And it was amazing. It was my favorite internship um, out of, I think I did six. And that was my favorite. Uh, It was, was, I just said it's amazing, but I'm going to say it again. Um, They let us do red carpet interviews, which was interesting. And yeah, I know. At a place like that, they're like, we don't want to go to this. Like we sat down and interviewed this person a week ago. They just, so they give it to the interns. And so they didn't, not really any guidance either. It was like, oh, you're going to go to this? I was like, yeah. And she's I had a call up there and she's like, okay, well, you know, you can ask them questions and um, let me know. I was like, okay. And I was 
20. And I went to this, and it was actually a Shonda Rhimes event. It was, um, she was, it was an event with um, Ms. Magazine and some other organization, and they were recognizing her and other women, and um, I didn't get to speak to her, but she spoke there, and some other, the cast was there and everything, but it was just, like, my heart was racing, and it was just, like, crazy. I'd never been in the presence of celebrities before, like, and it was just so much fun, and I think I, I think I was pretty good at it, you know, the interview portion, and it kind of came naturally. After that, I was kind of sold. I was like, this is what I want to do. <laughs> this is, this is my thing, so to speak. That is such an awesome story. That's amazing. And I'm sure it was like, I would have been freaking out super like intimidating, you know, when you're around these people, especially yeah. Shonda Rhimes, like, oh my God, I would have been dying. But I understand where you come from. I was also, um in her campus at UCF. So I wrote for them for a little while and it, it was so much fun because I got to do entertainment and I love writing that stuff. And it was like, I got to do like listicles on like my favorite shows and like I could pitch whatever I wanted. And it wasn't, you know, that like hard news element that you have to do within the journalism program. So to be able to have that sort of like creative freedom, especially in things that you're interested. And like you said, to come up with your, your own ideas that maybe other people might feel the same or not so it's it's really cool to do that and to have an internship with the I mean the Hollywood Reporter is just how many people can say that <laughs> yeah not a lot of people can say that who's your favorite celeb that you interviewed um, um oh my gosh okay I have a funny story I interviewed not out there I do like saying that. I don't know if you guys know who Julia Garner is, but in Ozark and whatever, mm-hmm. I yeah. interviewed her. She was like, she was, she was very early in her career at that point. So I didn't really know who she was. She was really friendly. I remember I was wearing a, um, a necklace with New York State on it because I grew up in New York State. And she was like, oh, are you from New York? I'm from New York. And that was really cute. Um, and it's fun to see like her now. Um, like on Ozark and just killing it and she's actually going to be in a next um, Shonda Rhimes show on Netflix which is really cool too yeah but I did interview BB Rexa and I liked I really liked speaking with her she was really genuine and cool Um, and I will say that like I still get nervous I think every time I speak with a celebrity if not any interview in general I think Um, there's always still that feeling of like you want to do well and you want it to be natural and you know you want to ask a question that they weren't asked 10 times before right. um, how we feel about this podcast. story is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you guys are asking really good questions so oh good thank you because my heart would go matter before this like I get nervous before interviews yeah so I'm happy that you think it's going well yeah the one other thing is when I was at I was at us weekly I interned there right out of school before I worked there about three years or so after. Um, And during the internship, I had to interview Ryan Seacrest at this like event. And my editor wanted to know if he was dating someone. It's like that kind of stuff where you (laughs) work at um, those kind of magazines. It's like one thing to interview someone about their work. It's another thing to try to dive into their personal life. And I was like, you know, are you seeing anyone um and he was just kind of like just like not answering there's like someone in your life like is there someone special and he, and he goes what's your name and I was like, <laughs> I was like so uncomfortable 
I think I just like stuttered my name like Paulina and then I and I had to transcribe that <laughs> for my like boss and it was just really funny and she was like well welcome to Us Weekly because you've had like a celebrity be flirtatiously dodgy towards you so it was funny but I was That's like it was, it was so awkward um yeah that was that was memorable I love how you kept like rephrasing it too because that's like the first thing in journalism like when you know you want to get a certain sound bite and like especially when that your editor is like we want to know if he's in a relationship Mm -hmm. and so he just like dodge and dodge and you're like so is there somebody special in your life like I can't even imagine and then to have him say well what's your name I would have been like excuse me sir (laughs) gosh that's funny yeah oh wow well this is our last question. We ask every one of our guests this. What is one piece of advice you have for other 20-somethings who are just trying to make the most out of this decade? I think my best piece of advice is to, it's twofolded. I think it's to really recognize within yourself, like what sparks that passion in you, uh, like what you really care about, uh, what you know, what you want to do, not what you think you have to do to live or what you think you have to do because you're an adult now. And, you know, I don't think you need to fall into any traditional work or job that you don't like for 30 years so that you can retire and whatever, the whole kind of format. So I think it's important to, you know, have an open mind and flexibility and believe in yourself and take that power of, I want to like my life. At the same time, I think that you need to, because when I started, I was very much like, I want to have my dream job. Like, I need my dream job. And then when I started and I wasn't in love with it, it was so heartbreaking because it was like, well, why have I been trying so hard in school and all this effort if I don't love it? And I think it's also getting to a place of like wanting to pursue that love you have, but also maintaining the fact that your job at the moment doesn't have to really like fulfill all of you and that's okay and that um you know if you find yourself in a position where you're working somewhere and you're not in love with it like I think that's normal and 100% okay and not reason to be scared so I think it's just kind of follow your passion but at the same time know that your career doesn't have to be the end-all be-all of your life I couldn't agree more and to be okay with the heartbreak if it's that your, your your dream job that is ultimately you know the one that's might not be perfect because there might be something else that you didn't even know that you would love that is more perfect so that's really great advice for sure whenever we ask this question it's kind of like free therapy for Peyton and I because listening back to oh, it or when I edit it and then when we listen to the final episode it's like I kind of get stopped in my tracks based off of how I'm feeling and I'm like wait yes our guest said this, why am I feeling like this? Because of X, Y, and Z. And even just today, I was like, oh my God, what happens if I'm going to be stuck in the job that I'm doing right now because I have the opportunity and I'm grateful for that opportunity, even though it's not what I went to school for. It's not what I love. I miss writing. I miss creating. And I feel kind of like stuck in that rut, which is really hard, especially right now. So to hear you say though, that can like have the, like your first job out of college won't be your dream job, that's okay. And that you can still get to a point where you love what you're doing. 
Oh my gosh. Like, I know I needed to hear that. Good. <laughs> Me too. Good. Yeah. yeah. And you've been struggling with that, with the job thing. And, you know, it's great to hear that. And like from coming from someone who's so accomplished, who has worked at, I mean, the array of places like straight out of college is like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. you're inspiring to say the least. So to hear you say that and to even, you know, to really sit back and think like, yeah, even if my dream job isn't like giving me the satisfaction, that's okay. Like that something else will. Mm-hmm. And to just keep going for your passions, no matter what. I think that that's so amazing and, and a great piece of advice for a lot of people right now who are 20 and trying, um, <laughs> like we try to push. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. I wish I knew that 22, like a mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, See, you don't give you so off the much. persona that at 22, you would be a mess. I don't buy it. Oh yeah, no, definitely not. I, I think I was like, I, was, I always put a lot of pressure on myself, I think. And I think I was a little bit of like an internal mess of, I definitely, you know, like fantasize this career, you know, being in New York, I was an editorial assistant. And then when I got to a place and I'm like, wait, this isn't making me super, 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 super happy. What's wrong? Like something's broken. And it's like, I was there for not even two years. That was my start. And I think as I got older, it's I kind of view it as like two sides of my brain. I have my like super creativeness where I get to write these articles that I really love because I pitch them. And I also have the fact that I've been working my school and career to have these set of skills that are, are a way to make money and that I can do things that I don't love all the time and that's okay because I have those skills and it gives me space to do other things that I love so I think it's just a balance but it can feel kind of all or nothing when you're starting well well, you know you got it together I got so much you got it together I can't wait for our listeners to hear this yeah (laughs) and thank you for sharing your experiences and your wisdom with us we really appreciated it And I hope that everybody else that listens appreciates it as well. I'm sure that they will. Yeah. Thank you, Charlotte and Peyton. This was good. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 20 and Trying. If you would like to keep up with Paulina and read her future articles, make sure to follow her at paulinajane15 and visit her website, all linked in the show notes below. If you liked this episode, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can also follow along with all things 20 and trying on our Instagram at 20andtrying.podcast. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next week.